if you want to open with me to the book of Job, chapter 1. Let's read from Job 1, starting in verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. There was born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day, and they would send and invite their three sisters and eat and drink with them. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. And now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, blameless and upright man, who fears God and turns away from evil? Let's pause right there. Well, just by way of introduction, I have shared a lot of these thoughts before and most of them aren't new but I thought it could be an encouragement and I hope that it will be but what I want to talk about today is Job but not Job in general how are you like Job and there's many ways actually wrote down 15 ways that you and I if we're Christians are just like Job but I tried to cut it down to eight (laughs) so we're just going to talk today about being just like Job that Job is a man just like us walking the earth and we want to consider what we can learn and apply to our lives from from him so here we have Job some scholars believe this is the oldest book Um, some don't but it definitely happened in around the time we think of Abraham. So it's one of the oldest stories in the Bible. Um, definitely the oldest story with its own book. And here we are talking about Job. It's a long time ago, but in a way it's not that long ago. And our lives apply. I mean, we can say that we identify with Job, or we have at certain times in our lives. But we're actually a lot more like Job than we think, at least more than I realized when I started thinking about this. How are we like Job? Well, let's, let's think about this. You know... There's really a few levels. The first level, in some ways, of 
of something becoming aware in your mind is you you realize it a fact um, and then in some ways that's not enough you know there's a fact on the surface that you could say but it doesn't sink down and you don't really believe it it's not it's not true in how you live and act and the example I think I've given of this before is the Pledge of Allegiance the kids have to say it you know every day and they just rattle it off they have no idea what it means and many of them I don't think really believe it what it actually says do they know the Pledge of Allegiance absolutely they could tell it to you like that you know do they believe it well it's a little different and that's what we're going to ask today. Some of these things are so basic, it almost seems like, well, why are we covering this again? You know. Well, many of us know it, but for me, I just can say I know it in my head, but do I really believe it? Do I live like it's true? Am I convinced it's true more than just a fact that I can repeat? So let's just think about that as we go through some of these. But the first way that you and I are just like Job, if we're Christians, is... You're specially noticed by God. So here's Satan coming to Job, and he's walking on the earth. And what is God talking about? God's talking about one man, Job, that God specially took notice of, that feared him. You're just like Job. If you're a Christian, you have been specially noticed by God. Think about John 10.3. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. God knows you by name. For all you know, this could be happening to you. God could be saying something about you today. My servant so-and-so. This is what he's like or she's like. You know if you're a Christian, he's already called your name. You remember when you were first converted? You heard his voice and you followed him. It was a special way that God noticed you as an individual. God Almighty in heaven, all the angels are gathering, and what is he thinking about? Man on earth named Job. It's amazing. Just goes along just with what Ryan was saying this morning. God knows you, he chose you by name. Think about Luke fifteen ten. It says, I tell you there's more joy, sorry, I tell you there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. One sinner repents, one, and the angels in heaven rejoice. It's amazing. God loves the individual. God knows you by name. God has noticed you. God knows what's going on in your life. We've talked about this before, but Revelation 20.15 says, if your name is not found written in the book of life, you'll be cast into the lake of fire. What does that mean? It means if you're a Christian, God knows you by name. He's going to call you by name on the judgment day. That's amazing. You're going to hear your name if you're a Christian. You're just like Job. You're specially noticed by God. God knows you by name.
Don't we want that to be real? Not just know it as a fact. God knows. He knows us. Number two, how else are we just like Job? The situation you're in right now is exactly where God would want you to be. The situation you're in right now is exactly where God wanted you to be. Let's read a few more verses here where we stopped in Job 1. Verse 8, And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? Then Satan answered, answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only do not stretch out your only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. The situation you're in right now is exactly where God wanted you to be. Think about what this says about Job. It says two things. It says one that the good things in God's life why were they uh, the good things in Job's life? Why were they there? They're there because God put a hedge about him. That's what Satan says here. He says, "Well, of course, Job loves you. Look at all the good things you've done for him. Look how you've protected him." So, God had put Job right where he wanted, and He put a hedge about him. What else does it say? It also says that the hard things, the difficult things in his life, were also under God's control. Right? Because he had, Satan had to get God's permission. And God said, you can touch him. You can have you know, all that he has, but don't touch, his, don't touch him. Don't touch his health yet. The good things and the hard things we see right there were all ordained by God. The good things he had given and put a hedge about. And then when the time was right, God allowed difficult things into his life. God was in control of all of it. The situation where Job was was exactly where God wanted him to be. Every piece of it. Even down to the minor detail, right? You can do this, you can have this difficult thing come in, but not this yet. And that's true for you too. God's in control of your life. Both the good, the pleasant, the protection, and the difficult. God's in control of your life totally. Acts 17 says that God made from one man every nation to dwell on the face of the earth and he what? Allotted the times and boundaries of their dwelling place. Right? So God made you and me all from Adam and he knew exactly where we would live and he allotted the times and boundaries. Psalm 136.16 says that God I'll, why don't I just read it directly to you so I don't misquote it. Psalm, 130, Psalm 139.16 Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. What was written in God's book? The days that were formed for me when as yet there were none of them. Before you were born, God knew every single day of your life. 
because does it say in your book were written every one of them the days that hap- that were going to happen by chance to come upon you the days that were formed for me oh that's an active thing isn't it god is forming the days and knows them beforehand that's true for you god knew exactly what was going to happen to job whatever day this was whatever year it was god knew the day and the hour and all the other days of Job's life. And God knows you, where you're at today, and where I'm at today. He knew it before the world was made. And not just by chance, he didn't foresee what was going to happen. It said they were formed. They were formed. It was active. God has a plan for your life. Where you are is where he wants you to be. Both the good and the difficult. Think about this. Another way we could see this is, what, how did Job get into this situation where Satan is tormenting him? Because God brought Job up to Satan. God brought Job up. God said, what about this guy over here? Job, have you thought about him? I mean, how, more, how much more active can you get? It's like, yeah, there's these, all this difficult trial going on, and what? God was the one. It, God looked around on the whole earth, and he thought, who do I want in this situation? I want that man, Job. Is that not true where you are? I mean, God didn't put anyone else in your situation. He put you there. He wanted you there. He didn't want me there, or he would have put me there. He didn't want you in my situation or he would have put you in my situation. He didn't want the person next to you in your situation or he would have put you there. He wanted you there. God, just like Job, just like Job, God planned where we would be right now. He's totally sovereign. Well, what else is just like Job? God has a perfect plan for our life. Not just a plan, not just a plan, a perfect plan. This is pretty amazing. A perfect plan? God perfectly planned your life? God gave you the perfect job, the perfect parents, the perfect church, for you does that mean they're perfect no but it's perfect for you you know this this reads like job's the only guy on earth doesn't it that's what it reads like it's like yeah look at all the people on earth they're just one like job just there's this one man who fears god and avoids evil And think about this. This is mind-blowing, really. Okay, why do I say perfect? Well, think about what the Bible says. This God, His way is perfect. Psalm 18.30 There's not wiggle room there, is there? Is God's way perfect or imperfect? Well, it's perfect. 
Is his way perfect some of the time? No, it's perfect all the time. God's way is perfect. Let's just think about this. Let's do a thought experiment. Let's, th- let's imagine a situation and p- place yourself in it. Okay? Imagine you are the only Christian on the earth. There's only one, and it's you. And God, God told you, I'm going to plan your life. I'm going to do it perfectly. I'm going to work all things for good. Everything in your life, it's all going to work together for good. Do you think he could do it? Would you trust him to do it? He's only got one. It's only you. There's no one else. Could God do it perfectly? I know you think he could. But what about now? Why do we doubt it when there's a million Christians or however many Christians there are? Well, I think part of it is I think about God like a man. I mean, if you give me more to do, my, the more I have to do, the more imperfect the things I do get. Right? Because I'm not infinite. But what's God like? God can give as much attention to every Christian on earth as you would if there were only one Christian. And he has done that. Why? Because God is perfect in what he does. So could God have planned your life better if you were the only Christian? No. Why not? He's already done it perfectly because he's infinite. He's already done it perfectly. If God said, I've chosen one person on the earth, I'm going to treat them like my very own son. I would believe he could do it perfectly, I think. Why can't I be- why is it harder for me to believe now when he's chosen many, many people to treat like his very own son? He's infinite. He can do it. He's God. He's not limited. He could give an infinite amount of attention to your life and to the next person's life, to the next Christian's life, and to the next Christian's life. Infinite love, infinite attention. And you know what he'd have left over? Infinite attention. Because he's infinite, right? He's God. And that's what he has done. He did say he's going to work all things for good. He did say he planned your life. And he didn't do it imperfectly. He didn't leave anything, any stone unturned. He had eternity to plan it. Didn't he? We just talked about that, right? He had eternity to plan it. Surely he could, he could make it all work together for good. That's what he did here for Job. Now that all sounds great, but there's more to the story, isn't there? Let's keep reading. So we just read verse 12, how God gave everything into Satan's hand. Verse 13, Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and there came a messenger to Job and said, The oxen were plowing, the donkeys were feeding beside them, and the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Now remember how many servants that must have been. 500 yoke of oxen. I mean, that. I mean, we still remember 
and it was like almost 2,000 people that died. I mean, we're talking about that level of pe- I mean, there's tons of people plowing in the field. The, the oxen don't plow themselves. Like there's somebody driving the oxen. While yet he was speaking, there was another and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. 7,000 sheep and one servant escaped. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Three thousand camels, how many servants? Hundreds and hundreds of servants, just with the camels. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the corners of the house. Then it fell upon the young people, and they're dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. God plans our life. He knows us by name. Where we are is where he wants us to be. He has a perfect plan. And God's plan for you is harder than you ever would have chosen for yourself. Just like Job. Job never would have chosen this in a million years. If it was up to Job, he would have said, do anything but this. Is that true for you? Would you have chosen to be all the things that have happened to you in your life? Would you have chosen them? No. God's plan for you is harder than you ever would have chosen for yourself. But His way is perfect. Spurgeon says if it was up to him, he would have had every day sunshine, every venture success, comfort, health, full stomach. But what lessons would we never have learned? A lot. We definitely would never say we're suffering with Him. We're not saying we're becoming like Him in His death. We would never say that. How many Psalms would be ripped out of our Bible if we all got to choose? We, we got to say, I want, I want the comfortable. I don't want the hard, I want, I don't want the hard things. I want, I want the easy things. We wouldn't have very many left. God's plan for us is harder than we ever would have chosen ourselves. I'm going to read you from this song and the redemption. Thy way not mine, O Lord, however dark it be. O lead me by thy own right hand. Choose thou the path for me. Smooth let it be or rough. 
it will be still the best. Winding or straight, it can but lead right onward to thy rest. I dare not choose my lot. I would not if I might. But choose thou for me, O my God, so I shall walk aright. Take thou my cup, and it with joy or sorrow fill. As ever best to thee may seem, choose thou my good or ill. Not mine, not mine the choice, in things or great or small. Be thou to me my guide, my strength, my wisdom, and my all. Smooth let it be or rough. Fill, it with, fill my cup with joy or sorrow. Make my way winding or straight. I dare not choose my lot. I would not if I might. Be thou my guide, my strength, my wisdom, and my all. That sums it up. It's harder than we would have chosen. But aren't we thankful? Aren't you thankful God's choosing and not you? We're just thinking about joy just turned two. And I, you probably remember, you know, Jess had all the complications and joy had complications. And she was, I think, four pounds something when we left the hospital I wouldn't have chosen that never would have chosen that but I'm I was more thankful this year on her birthday than I ever would have been otherwise and I learned things about God I don't know that I ever would have learned otherwise I have to look out here at some of you I could just start looking at you and pointing you out saying you never would have chosen that you never would have chosen that. But we have a God that knows, don't we? God's plan for you is harder than you ever would have planned for yourself. Just like Job. Well, what else? God hasn't revealed His plan for your life to you, just like Job. Job didn't know that Satan stood before God. And God brought him up. This was all, Job was ignorant of the whole thing. He didn't know why any of this was happening. You know, I think I mentioned this before. Mason lent me this book. It's called, it's about Job. It's called How God Treats His Friends. How does God treat His friends? Well, just like He treated Job. He plans their life. He notices them. He puts them right where He wants them to be. He has a perfect plan. His plan is not the perfect plan does not mean easy plan. His plan is harder than they ever would have chosen for themselves. And what else? He doesn't reveal the plan to them. That's what I would think. If you asked me, how does God treat his friends? Sure, maybe you'd plan something hard, but don't you think you'd give him a word beforehand? Something hard is going to happen. Or this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to bring into your life. But it's going to turn out good in the end. And I'm giving you a warning. 24 hours ahead of time, a month ahead of time. In my mind, I think, well, if only he just told us the plan. Maybe we could get on board. Maybe it would be a little bit easier on us. Yeah, but then you know what I would do? I'd be counting down the days. I wouldn't be counting on God. I'd be saying, well, I know it's only going to last 29 more days. 
instead of counting on the God who's with me. You know, God has, hasn't revealed the plan. I think part of the reason I want God to reveal the plan is because my goal is different than God's goal sometimes. A lot of times. A lot of times I catch myself and realize my goal is comfort. Well, why do I want to know the plan? Well, it would be kind of a comfort to me. It would be kind of a comfort to know how long it's going to last. Or maybe it's, sometimes it's control. Well, I feel like if I knew this was coming, then I could start a plan. And if I knew this was going to happen, then I could save this money so I could put it aside, you know, because I'm going to need it for the medical bills or whatever. But then what would I lose? If I knew the plan, I wouldn't be growing in faith. I would just be trying to figure it out myself, I think. You know, the Bible, God said, those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. If it was good for me to know the plan, I'd know the plan. But it's not good for me. There's things God wants to do that He couldn't do if I knew the plan ahead of time. There's a quote from George Bowen. Uh, let's see. I think Garrett was one. I don't see. Um, told me about this guy George Bowen, you might have to verify it with Garrett, anything I say, because I may not, I don't know him very well, but he was a missionary to India, and he never saw any converts. He was there years and years and years, and it just went hard. And he, he has this devotional, and he talks about how God teaches all things, and all, there's a verse in Isaiah that says, he causes all things to profit, and he leads us in the way that is right. And Bowen says, he speaks as if God's speaking. He said, if I would have sent you a trial you were absolutely prepared for, you would have laughed. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have leaned on me. There's no use in sending you trials you're totally prepared for. I'm working something in you. And that's kind of how it is for us, isn't it? I mean, God hasn't revealed the plan to us. I think because there's something he's doing. He wants us dependent. He, Like Jamie was saying, he wants us weak so we can lean on him. Well, how else? Let's read some more verses here. Pick up where we left off. Verse 20. Job 1.20, then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord, the Lord gave, and the Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. So we don't know the plan, but what do we know? God told you what is more important than, the, than knowing the plan. He told you who He is. God told you what's more important than the plan. He told you who He is. And that's what Job had, isn't it? I mean, in the same way we're like Job. We don't know the plan, but yet God has told us everything we need to know. 
We need to know God's in control. He's the one that gives. He's the one that takes away. And we can bless Him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, throughout the whole book, Job struggles to understand how these circumstances in his life fit with who God is. But he never does end up cursing God, like his wife said, curse God and die. He never does that. He's struggling. He's, he's wrestling. There, I think, are things that he ends up, that he, he did. Had, you know, he said he spoke what wasn't right. He spoke of God like he shouldn't have. But God, even then, came to him and showed him more of himself. So here's, here's Job. He's got enough of God to hold on to for, his, for this part of the trial. And then what happens? When he needs to know more, there comes God. And what does he say? He tells him all about who he is even more. So you know what you need to know to get through the trial. You know who God is. You know, I mean, think, we know more than Job. He said, I know that my Redeemer lives. He didn't know about Jesus. Not like we do. He didn't know he was going to die on the cross. He didn't know how much he loves us. He didn't know God was going to become a man and be the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. Boy, we know God. We know who he is. Isn't that enough? I mean, we've got difficult trials, yes. We do. We have. I'm sure you can think of other people in here, right? You know, I, w- I can't imagine how hard this would be on this person or this person or that person. And yet, God gave them all they need to know, and He gave you all you need to know. God, God's in control. God loves you. God knows you. This is not a surprise to God. He has a good plan for your life. This is not to hurt you. This is to help you. God wants to forgive any sin in your life. I mean, think about that. The fact that we know that is amazing. God wants to forgive sins if we'll just come to Him. And He's willing to die, pour out His blood so that can be true. That's the kind of God we can trust, right? We can trust that God. Well, better keep moving here how else are we just like Job we know who God is what else God can sustain you just like Job through more than you ever thought you could bear I mean we just started didn't we I mean, we, we just read the beginning of Job. We haven't even got to when his health gets taken away. And then when his wife comes and tells him to curse God. And then when his friends come and tell him he's, not, he's got sin in his life, he's not righteous. I mean, it just gets worse and worse. I mean, it kind of gives you a feeling, well, no wonder God doesn't tell us the plan. I mean, you would have said, I can't make it. I can't make it. I'm not going to be able to. I'm not going to be able to make it through that. And just like Jesus said, "Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble." I mean, that, that right there, he kind of explains it, doesn't he? If he gave us tomorrow today, we'd have too much, too much anxiety. 
We've got enough trouble today to worry about. Cast our burden on him today, not tomorrow's burden, today's burden. It makes you think about, I can tell this on John Barry because he's gone. <laughs> but John Barry and I went on a run, I don't know, sometime earlier this year. And I said, hey, you know, I'm out of shape. haven't been able to exercise as much as I would like. So two miles is the most I want to go. And he said, all right. And so he started running and he was leading or whatever. And he didn't tell me how far we were going. And if he would have, I would have turned around or I would have gotten my car and left because I wouldn't have run with him because I wanted to go two miles. That was I thought, well, I think I can make that. It's going to be hard, but it's going to be good for me and I'll feel good when I get back. Well, he didn't tell me and then we ended up going six miles. And I, I never thought I would have made it. And I, even during it, when we got, I kept thinking, if this is halfway, I'm not sure I'm going to make it back. And then we go further. Well, if this is halfway, I... But that's what God does, you know. Basically what happened is John believed in me more than I believed in me, right? He, he thought I could make it. And he didn't tell me because he knew if, if I didn't know, I could go further than if I did know. And that's kind of where we're at with God, I think. I mean, God, God doesn't tell us for our good. He's already brought you through more than you thought you could bear, I bet, for most of you. I mean, think about the difficult things you already come through. Imagine if you had known those, you know, prior. Hard. It would be hard. Almost double the trial, wouldn't it? Here's this heavy trial, and it's going to last 10 years. Well, praise the Lord. He knows what's best for us. He can bear us, he can carry us through more than we thought we could bear. What else? How else are we just like Job? Two more things and then we're done. God will answer and deliver you when his purpose is accomplished for his glory, for your good, and for his purpose in the world. So if you want to just jump with me right to the end of Job, chapter 42. Verse 7, after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My anger burns against you and against your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. Now therefore take seven bulls and seven rams, go to my servant Job and offer up a burnt offering for yourselves. And my servant Job shall pray for you, and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your folly. For you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shuhite and Zophar the Namanite went and did what the Lord had told them and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. So what what other way are we just like Job? God's going to answer and deliver you when his purpose is accomplished for his glory. For his glory. I mean, isn't that what this whole book's really about? I mean, in the end, he's 
Job is under this trial and he's saying something about who God is. That's the question. Is God worthy of worship even when the things go even things are hard? Even when God takes away the good things instead of giving good things? Is God worth worshiping? Satan says no. Job says yes. And he is, isn't he? I mean, this whole thing with Job, Job didn't know it, but he was actually proclaiming the goodness of God to angels. And to generation after generation after generation after generation. If I said the word generation, you know, 50 times. Right? We are hearing about the goodness and of God, even despite circumstances, despite hard circumstances. And it glorifies God, you know, 100 generations later. So God delivered him when his purpose for his glory was accomplished, when his purpose for Job's good was accomplished. Job came out knowing God better, and that's what Job says. He knew God better in the end. That's for Job's good. And for his purpose in the world. God has a purpose not only in your life and for his glory, but think about these friends. You know? Job sacrificed for them these, you know, these offerings, and God said he wanted to forgive them. He was working out for forgiveness for these these other guys, correcting their wrong views of God. All that was the purpose, and when the time was right, God delivered it. He he, he put the hedge back around Job. He said, that's enough. I've accomplished what I went, wanted to accomplish. And that's how it is for you and me. Whenever the trial gets to where it's no longer doing us good or the people around us good, he stops. He lets go. He says, that's enough. Everything's been done that needs to be done. And it may not be like this for us. It may not be double what we had before in this life. It may be that He puts it all right on the next earth, the new heavens and the new earth. But it's still true. It's just as true. And more true. Job died again, didn't he? Job lost all he had one more time, didn't he? When he died. But you and me and every Christian, everyone who's truly hoping in Jesus Christ, there's going to be a time where it's all restored and there's no more. There's no more trial. There's no more attacks. There's no more death. It's going to be done because He accomplished all He wanted to accomplish. And then the last point, just like Job, we can praise God, worship God in the dark. I mean... That's what he did. Job one twenty. He fell on his ground fell on the ground and worshipped. I mean we can do it, can't we? I mean, by the grace of God we can ask him to help us to worship in the dark. I don't know what you're doing, God. I don't know why. I wouldn't have chosen this for myself. But you're good and you're worthy of worship. Let me pray together. Lord, we just thank you. You're a good God. 
we just say you do all things well. There's a lot of things we don't understand, but we're thankful for many of the things that we do understand that you've done that are hard. And we're thankful that you put us through them. We wouldn't have chosen them, but we're thankful that you you set our path and you number our days and help us, Lord, uh, going forward. We want to go forward in faith, trusting you, and we want to go forward worshiping you in not only when it's going good, but when it's hard. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son. Thank you, Jesus, for being willing to be nailed to a cross on our behalf and that you might cleanse us and wash us and use us for your glory. Thank you for Job. Thank you for sustaining him. Thank you for these difficult things you brought into his life for our good here today. And I do pray that this would be real in our hearts. We don't want more facts in our head and that aren't real in our hearts. We pray you'd help. And please, Lord, help us to worship more and more later today and tomorrow and the next day. We love you. We're thankful for you. Amen.